It was on Halloween midday that I drove away from uh, my duplex in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul forever. And I have been on the road since. So we're going to talk about nomad life, a full commitment to nomad life that I have embraced over the past three years on the road in Three Years on the Road, Bob Davis Podcast 1119. I'm going to thank a lot of people by name in this podcast. And that includes uh, my clients and the people who support the Bob Davis Podcast through contributions at thebobdavispodcast.com. Three years ago. It seems a lot longer than that for me. And yet, sometimes it seems like it's only been a minute. Like I just left. But I've often told the story of uh, walking around. I used to do these walk and talk podcasts, you may remember, where I'd walk around uh, the neighborhood where I lived. And I lived next to a park and it had uh, a big uh, sort of bike path that went, U-shaped bike path that went through it. And I would walk on that and then I'd walk around the block and keep sort of doing that shape big a big oval from in the neighborhood ah <sighs> what can i say uh i used to, i grew up in a, a, a suburban town an old farm town in suburban chicago which had been long since enveloped by the urban landscape when i left there at 18 i swore i would never go back to that place and Three years ago, I found myself living in a very similar kind of town. It was a town that had been a railroad town back in the 20s in what was then rural Minneapolis, which had since been enveloped by the urban landscape. And somewhere that summer, I realized, oh my God, you're living in fill in the blank, my hometown. You spent years trying to get away from that, and now you're living in that. And that was probably the first big linchpins to drop. And at the time, I was doing podcasts about current events. And I remember doing a podcast where I said, I I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to keep doing this because I don't feel that it's accomplishing anything. So I'm going to do something. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had uh, Mobile Podcast Command, this ambulance, which I got in 2014, and I used because the idea was I was going to travel the country and cover stories. And I did do that for, uh, well, almost six years, up until 2020. And I found myself going out to go to the pipeline protest, if you'll recall, or to the West Coast or something, down to Iowa. And I would be coming back, I'd be rolling back after two or three weeks out, and I would find myself thinking why am I going home and why am I paying rent and why am I paying heat and electric when what I really want to do is just be out here but I didn't understand in those years how that was going to happen which speaks a little bit to the idea of uh, manifestation because I knew I wanted to do something like that I didn't even know what and 
we got to 2020 with the craziness that had just started. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm out of here. Just go. The The internal voice, as I have often talked about, I'm not going to belabor that. Just go. And so I began this process in the, in the late summer, early fall. Legal things, uh, other things that I had to do regarding my apartment. It culminated in renting a big construction uh, dumpster and throwing everything away or giving everything away or burning things. And the more I threw away, the better I felt. Until finally, I ended up with a little sort of collection of possessions, which was really too much, but I put all of that in this vehicle. And once everything was loaded up, I, it was cold, I warmed up the truck, had it parked out in front of the house, took a final walk through, I'd wash down the walls, you know, clean the place, cleaner than you could possibly imagine. Got in the truck and drove off and felt Great, And I remember I drove to Iowa, where it felt like it was a little warmer, pulled into some campground, I don't even know what it was, and set up and did a podcast. And so that kind of set the intention that from now on, I'll do a Halloween podcast to talk about uh, this, this embracing of being free, which is what nomad life is all about it's about freedom freedom from paying heat and light bills freedom from paying rent freedom from uh people who want to monopolize your time freedom from family members whatever your thing is hitting the road and controlling your own destiny equals freedom especially these days and only intensified during that era of covid I did not know what I was going to encounter. I didn't do any research. I didn't watch anybody on YouTube that would tell me what I needed to have for my uh, nomad life. I didn't care. I, uh, at that point, even the movie Nomadland, I don't think had come out. I certainly hadn't seen it. I didn't uh, care. I jumped with both feet into this life. And uh, began the process of learning, which is half the fun, is learning uh, what you can do and what you can't do and what you need to do and all of the things. Even more, I thought nomad life, such as it was, I mean, I didn't even really even know that there was a thing called nomad life. I knew there was a thing called van life. I didn't really know what that was. Uh, but I thought it meant that you were just supposed to drive all the time. And so I began this odyssey in the first year of travel where I, uh, I just went from coast to coast and border to border and diagonally across the United States and diagonally the other way across the United States. The only places I didn't go is Hawaii and Alaska, but pretty much every place else. I didn't go to Canada. I didn't go to Mexico. I just went all over the United States and it was euphoric couldn't get enough of it and I didn't do as much camping as I thought I was going to do I spent a lot of time in Walmart parking lots and truck stops and occasionally I found a campground but I didn't even know how to look up campgrounds or 
uh, anything. And somehow I ended up in Quartzsite, where I am today. Came to Quartzsite. For those of you who have been here, I ended up at what's called Skadden Wash, S-C-A-D-D-E-N. There are several campgrounds here. Some of them are called long-term visitor areas. Skadden Wash is not, not one of them, Skadden Wash. But it's a 14-day area. 14-day areas are, you know, you can park someplace for 14 days. Then you have to go 25 miles away, and then you can come back after another 14 days. And it was, I people kept telling me you got to go to Quartzsite. And I was like, what, what? I don't even know what this is. Okay. I did a couple of podcasts. The plan was I was going to get ready to do uh, the RV show. I thought this RV show was some kind of big deal, and I was going to broadcast live, supposedly, from the 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 RV show. I thought it started on January 1st. I don't know what my what was going through my head. And it, I think it started the 21st or something. On January 17th, my mom had a cerebral hemorrhage and uh, I had to run willy-nilly for um, uh, Virginia on January 7th, starting on January 17th, 16th, 15th, that weekend. Um uh, to get to Richmond, Virginia, uh, 2021. And that's how 2021 opened for me. So that first year of travel was really about release. It was about releasing all the years, the built-up years of frustration and difficulties and everything. And I really didn't know that I was... I don't want to say angry. I don't think I was angry. I guess I was. Uh, I guess. I don't know how else you could describe it. So there was, uh, there was the, the, the sound of the wheels, uh, you know, the constant driving, and, and me just sort of processing all these things that seemed to be uh, sort of built up to, a, a, I guess you could call it a sort of angst. Culminating in... Uh, my mom's death and so we're still in the first year because i had started in october so really it was november december january up to the 15th my mom had this cerebral hemorrhage i remember i was in court site at this old diner which was uh vacated probably 25 years ago because they were doing illegal gambling in the basement <laughs> so court site I had to sit in my mom's driveway for four or five months and we had to process all the stuff from her life. And it was so interesting because all I wanted to do was get on the road, get on the road, get on the road. I remember I went down to the Outer Bank. It was a very unrewarding visit. I have podcasts about that. Came back. We finally put everything together and got it all taken care of. Um, I want to say it was probably May 1st or 2nd or 3rd or something like that, uh, 2021, and I headed west again. And I, I think I came back out here. I don't even know what I did. I mean, it's a blur. I don't remember. I guess I did. Finally, uh, I, I came back out here, but I went uh, lots of other places in the interim. I just remember sitting at uh, sort of this confluence of this area in western, no, eastern Arizona, right near the New Mexico border, where there are, um, I don't know, four or five or six truck stops. And I remember sitting on a hill looking at 
the two, three, four, five hundred trucks at the time in this one truck stop and five hundred or two hundred in the other truck stop and the trucks as far as the eye could see. And then watching a train headed west, double decker uh, freight train headed west. And just thinking that I was really at the crossroads in many ways of America. And the second year of travel was very different. Uh, I decided that the second year of travel, A, partially because of the price of fuel, and B, I decided I don't want to just drive around and not see anything or get more deeply in, into anything. And I will just say that all through the second year and the third year of travel, I've really concentrated on spending more time where I am and getting to know people, and it's changed a lot. It's deepened my positive experience of this, and, I, and I've learned a lot. And I'm an experiential learner. I don't like people telling me what to do. I learn on my own, and sometimes it's painfully slow. But I would say that uh, as I look at Halloween 2023 and look forward to uh, a fourth year of nomad travel without reservation, meaning that it's I'm fully committed to this, I can see that in the fourth year, we're going to continue this sort of trend of slower, lower, deeper travel. Obviously, there's a lot of people to thank, and I'm, I'm doing this podcast off the top of my head because I want it to be more authentic, and I want it to uh, just be an, af- an accurate reflection of... Um, what I'm feeling right now as I realize that I've been doing this for three years. And uh, there's there's an awful lot of people to thank and a couple of thoughts, and I think that should do it for this sort of commemorative podcast. It doesn't have to be the greatest thing ever. I know that there are people who are thinking about nomad travel, and, and there are people who uh, have done nomad travel, and they relate to a lot of what I've said. One of the first things that I noticed uh, is, now I'm a radio guy. I did radio for a long time, from the time I was 12, 13 years old, literally. My first job was writing news to, uh, to a few years ago. So it's, it's in my blood. One of the things I noticed about radio people is they're the top. They're on the top of the list of you should do this and you should do that because radio people think that whatever they think is the right thing because they seem to have their uh, fingers on the pulse of America, which is so far from the truth you can't imagine. I, I don't like to give advice, but I'll just give you my experience. People tell you you should do things, but they have no idea what they're talking about because what you should do is what you want to do and you can do whatever you want to do you don't have to do this you don't have to do it the way i did it we just did a podcast mike and i one of my nomad pals that's here and he said i would give people advice but this is my journey you you have your own journey which is so true it's an individual journey and it really is like peeling an onion and i've changed my perception of time has changed I'm a lot more tolerant of myself and other people, and I'm a lot more interested in other people and interested in helping other people in addition. Now, I'm not an altruist. I don't run around looking for people to help, but I'm perfectly willing and, and interested in getting to know people uh, uh, and, and helping people where I can out here. So that's a huge change for me. I often say, well... If you had been, if you'd stayed where you were, what would have happened? And I think 
I wonder how much I would have changed. Because what has happened is there has been a sea change at every level in my life. I don't care what it is. Those who know me know that that has happened. That I'm on a, I feel like I'm on a different time schedule. I have difficulty staying in a house. I tend to isolate myself when I'm not out here. And you just, after a while, you view things differently because you're used to viewing things on the back roads from a windshield. I don't go on freeways. I haven't been on a freeway except very short spurts because of necessity um, for three years, going on four years. Everything is back roads. And after people say, how can you navigate? And yet, after a while, it's second nature. You figure out... Uh, and I've been over most of the ground, especially in the Midwest, so many times. I don't even need a map when I'm in the Midwest about how to be on a dirt, uh, a back road or 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 a U.S. highway, for example, something like that. So I see a different America than what we see in the media. And yes, I do stay abreast of the news. I don't internalize it, and I don't save it. Because I don't care, because uh, life out here is uh, mercifully free of that nonsense. Now, you do meet people that are interested in that stuff, but I think after a while, it passes. After a while, you figure out conversation doesn't involve politics, doesn't involve social commentary. Uh, it, it involves a sort of um, interesting social dance to get to know people uh, and take people as they are. This is the one thing that I think is great about nomad life, whether you're in Courtside or you're Florida, you're in, you know, you're driving a school bus and you're getting together at some schooly thing. People don't care what you did. They don't care who you think you are. They take you at face value and they, you, 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 you take them at face value. You meet each other on the same plane and uh, it's great. You know, when I was back in the world, I had a lot of dealings in politics, and I'm not—I don't have to put go into detail about it. And I'm—I'm just—I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take being known as that guy anymore. Whereas here, they don't care. They don't care what you did. They don't care who you are. Again, you're being—you're meeting each other on the same plane. And travel uh, becomes, you spread the travel out because you don't, where are you going? You don't need to be anywhere. You're going to go, and I've learned not to place requirements. Like you have to be here at a certain day. You have to be there at a certain day. Maybe one or two. Have to be at a wedding at a certain date and time. Other than that, you know, I, I'm free to kind of eddy around those uh, rocks in the river. And continue on down the vistas people say you must see incredible things yeah I see incredible things on back roads I see miles and miles and miles of abundant agricultural output or beautiful small towns where people pursue life out of the uh, eye of analysts out of the quote-unquote urban imperative passing through a lot of historical places which really you'd be surprised how many places in this country are in fact historical and just kind of gathering the energy of of a particular place with a 
with a particular historic perspective. And thinking how big this country is and how amazing it is and how it developed over the years and places from small plots of land in New England to uh, ranches out west and all the different kinds of people that were here first, the others that came and the others that are still coming. It's a fascinating place. Every day is a learning experience. And it is a very positive experience for our mental health. I think people think nomads are crazy. I think we're the most sane people that you could encounter. One of the things that I am often, people often say, you must see a lot of crazy, you, meet, you must meet a lot of crazy people and have a lot of crazy experiences out there. The answer is, you'd be surprised at how mundane day-to-day -day life out here is. I don't see very much crazy at all. Yeah, occasionally there's something that happens that really has nothing to do with us. We were sitting here today talking about this idea that we're out in this crazy world where uh, anything can happen any moment and you're always on edge and we laughed because really it's about hey are you going to walmart yeah well uh, could you pick me up some some plastic tubs or i need some blue diamond almonds or i need more paper towels yeah sure i'll get them for you instead of all the quote-unquote crazy nutty things that happen there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot I could talk about if I wanted to do an hour-long podcast here. I, I do have a lot of people to thank because there were people who supported me from the get-go who I have not forgotten. Greg Ryan from Ryan Plumbing and Heating is one of them. I just give him a shout-out because he supported what, I, what I'm doing. Actually came out to visit me a couple times, so I appreciate that, Greg. Every year, you start out with a group of people, and by the end of the year out here, you get to know lots of other people. But the first year I was here was magic, because I think I came back out. Maybe that was the second year. I don't know. I came back out, and I've often mentioned Darcy Campost Extraordinaire, who really did uh, some incredible work by introducing people to each other and inviting us to be part of a fire or a potluck or something like that as a way to get to know people and have people get to know her and each other. So I got some really, really good friendships out of that. Mark from Canada, uh, Darcy, obviously, Sandy, who is a phenomenal human being, and Pam of the Pambulance, because she has an ambulance, but it's like, uh, it's like a cabin in the woods in there, and she cooks like you wouldn't believe, and, you know, those people are with me as well, even when they're not with me, you guys. So you have these relationships that are really powerful that, uh, and positive, and this year, and at the end of last year, it's a different group. Robert and Mike and, and the people that appeared in that Peter Santanello video. And I have to thank Peter as well in this podcast for everything he did. But it's also being in the right place at the right time. You know, for years, I network with a group of people. And I am going to thank them because they're great people. But I was with the wrong group. And uh, out here 48 months and met Peter Santanello, who has a million subscribers on his YouTube channel. And it changed 
materially changed my podcast and my YouTube channel. And so I got to thank Peter. Uh, but it was being able to it was, it was being able to be here and be available for somebody like Peter who wanted to do a video about the whole the whole thing in courtside. So it, it's this is how when everything comes together and you're and you're sort of you know working in a framework of kind of thinking about what you want to accomplish and almost effortlessly it's accomplished. It's pretty neat. Want to thank uh, my two sponsors from this year. 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis. Lonnie uh, has been amazing and very supportive of this. Also, uh, Juliet at uh, BU Enterprises and GardenGurusMN.com. And I'm just going to say, because she wanted me to tell you this, um, she has these, she's calling them holiday pots. They're basically urns. They're almost as tall as a five-foot woman maybe even a little taller, and they have a lot of green. And she's saying, hey, it's so gray here in the winter. These things really brighten up your entryway. So Garden Gurus MN, and if you click on that, you'll see those things at, at the site, and you can decide what you want to do. Some people individually to thank, you know, obviously family members, Katie Davis, Andrew Davis, Lou Wells, Judy Murphy, Mike Murphy, Margie and Tim Blevins. Uh, I have to thank Don Bennett because she's been instrumental in helping me out in a lot of ways. And uh, a lot of people from my uh, old networking group, which I am sometimes critical of, but they are great people and they'd give you the shirt off their back. In fact, they did. <laughs> so they really helped out a lot as well through all of that difficult period of time that where we just, you know, and the contributors to the Bob Davis podcast, the regular contributors, Travis and Mike and uh, uh, Mindy Collins, my God, Don Anger, who's the only correspondent for the Bob Davis podcast. Shout out to Don up in North Dakota. And I do thank a lot of people regularly in the normal podcasts when I talk about contributions to the Bob Davis podcast. They are instrumental in keeping this ship on the water and I really appreciate those those contributions uh, I would also say that uh, one of the people who absolutely supported me uh, early on uh, with whatever was necessary and really encouraged me was my mom so uh, I remember her as well every time I do one of these things this woman was almost 99 years old and embraced life in an incredibly uh, robust manner and, and we saw immediately how much this would have meant to me to be able to do this. So uh, she encouraged me to do it and I, I did it for that reason and so did Don and uh, a number of other people that I will not mention. I said at one point, you know, when you get ready to go, some of the goodbyes are gut-wrenching, heartbreaking experiences. That happened for me. And some goodbyes are easier than others. But the big hello is when you say hello to what you want to do, what you wish you could do, what you have been thinking about doing most or a good part of your life, when you finally do the thing that you think would be the escape, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. You just do it. 
And I find most people back in the world, as we like to say out here, really struggle to understand that, except for the few that, that harbor the same ambition and actually do it. And, and uh, I didn't know what I was getting into, but it gets better every day. It really does. It's really, really, really something. I have some radio friends who also really encourage me, Jack Casey among them. Obviously, Mindy Collins and Don are radio friends. But other friends encourage me to do the podcasts, but really didn't uh, didn't understand this. They said, is this all you're going to do? You're not going to go back to doing issues talk while you're on the road. There's so many things that you could see and do and talk about, and it would be really great. You're just going to talk about nomad life? What's Is that all? And it's like, is that all? Yeah, I'm going to talk about nomad life. I'm going to talk about peeling the onion of what you go through, how your perception of time changes, how your perception of food changes. One of the things that happened this year when I was uh, you know, going back and visiting people for longer periods of time is noticing the amount of calories people consume on a day-to-day basis is astounding. We eat like once or twice a day. And we have big meals. We're not savages, as we like to say. But we, I don't think we consume near the number of calories that people do back home. But this guy was saying, you know, uh, I don't understand what you're doing. This is boring. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to have to let that go because, because this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to question the impetus or the drive inside to do this and talk about it. So here's to the fourth year of nomad travel. Yes, I have some ideas. You don't come out here and do this without some kind of goal structure. And there are things I want to accomplish in that fourth year that are different from the previous years without me even knowing it. I sort of sent an atten- uh, set, set an intention uh, last year that I wanted to do slower travel, lower travel, spend some more time with people and it happened. So I, I have some intentions which I have set for the fourth year. There could be some big changes, but positive changes, but we'll see. And the one thing I've learned is sometimes you only need to set the intention and let go of it, and things begin to coalesce around that intention. Obviously, you have to think carefully about what you intend to do. But it's almost like there's not... People back in the world always have lists of things they have to do, and we need to accomplish this by this date. This has to happen. That has to happen. For me, it ne- it hasn't necessarily been that kind of thing. The things that I have needed have sort of just appeared. <laughs> really. And when you set an intention and things coalesce around that intention, half the fun is like, wow, did I did I intend for that to happen? Did I want that to happen? I don't, I don't know. Did I want that to happen? So... For people who've said, well, now it's been three years, what are you going to do now? I'm just going to keep going. People are changing. Times are changing. Things are happening. There are things in the world, starting with uh, the pandemic, that just seemed upside down and topsy-turvy. I guess things were upside down and topsy-turvy before. 
and maybe we just didn't I didn't notice it because I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't processing it was all just going in and going in and going in and the angst was coming up coming up coming up once I got the wheels moving and just sat behind the wheel and instead of watching television watched the windshield and what was out there in the world slowly but surely that angst began to drop away and that's probably the biggest gift of all so then once all that drops away well then you're open to the real gifts that can come relationships friendships uh, working relationships ideas and that's the thing that's the best and biggest surprise one more person to thank in 2014 so almost 10 years ago my friend Ed Johnson said because I was traveling around the country in my car doing podcasts and doing speed runs in my Crown Vic from town to town and my friend Ed Johnson said we're getting you an ambulance and I was like we're what Whip me up. We're getting you an ambulance. What if I don't want it? Well, then I'll just sell it. So uh, he called me up. It's here. I went over and looked at it, and I was like, done. $4,000. Now, I've done an awful lot of work on this thing since, but it is still running like the d- better than the day that I bought it. And so thanks, Ed. You did a lot to help change my life in a positive way. So here's to life on the road. Thanks for listening to Bob Davis Podcast 1119, commemorating three years on the road and looking forward to a fourth year without reservation. Podcast 1119, three years on the road. The Bob Davis Podcasts. Treatment.